Welcome to the Restorative Divorce Podcast, where we focus on all things divorce and parenting related to help you find clarity, stay informed, and stay out of family court. With 20 plus years of family law experience, our attorney and mediator, Aaron Burt, has seen too many times how family court will negatively impact your health, your relationship with your kids, and your wallet. This podcast aims to turn that around and empower our listeners to take back control of their family law process and their lives by working with divorce professionals that seek to help and not hurt. Our goal is to provide you with expert tips that you can implement today to restore your finances, emotional well-being, and co-parenting skills. Of course, our team at BurtLaw.com is always here to customize a restorative divorce plan for you. But for now, listen to this episode to get help today. Today, we want to talk about pet custody and why it's such a hot topic. I think more and more people are getting pets. They want to talk about what they're going to do with their pets or companion animals after they separate or divorce. Um, And so it is a frequent topic that people want to know more about. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I think, um, you know, over the years, right, we've seen that um, and, you know, we can kind of relate to it. You know, pets in the family have become family members. You know, back in the day when I was a kid, um, we had lots of pets and we cared about all of our pets. But they weren't family members. They were pets, you know. But I think over the course of time and as medicine has gotten better and animals live longer than they used to, um, not every pet is an outdoor pet, you know. Um, You know, pets have become integrated into the family and, you know, are just as important as, you know, the family itself. So it's not surprising that, you know, we've uh, seen over the years uh, the pet custody issue pop up more and more. And I think an important question to ponder is, should Illinois pet custody laws change? Because in Illinois, our dear and beloved companion animals are still treated as property. We have changed some of the laws recently to include new things a court should consider and what a court can uh, either award or decree that you do with your pet. But the overall law in Illinois is a pet is considered an asset or considered property. And so it's hard for people to separate their emotions from the law and the fact that while they are integrated into your family, we still look at them as property. And there are many legal analysis questions that come up with, well, what kind of property is it? Is it marital property? Is it non-marital property? I, you know, I mean, and it all, uh, you know, I think from a um, from a legal perspective, right? I think it makes sense why they want to treat it as what well, pets as property. You know, I mean, if you if we start 
or the the legal community and you know i think the legal community is coming around to while we still have to treat it as property i think it works outside of the court you know how do we settle this outside of the court and present what we need to to the court as property blah you know um however you know it i think you can get into the weeds so if we're you know going to look at this in a different way you know all right how long were you married does the length of marriage factor into anything with pets i mean you know when we talk about children in relationships you know the average lifespan of a child is a lot longer than the average lifespan of a dog or a cat or a hamster you know and so i mean i think you can just it can just kind of steamroll itself right and the courts can get i don't think the courts want to get bogged down in pet custody i mean i think it's enough with child custodies you know like children i think is enough but interesting enough though tyler they are starting to mimic some of the factors of child custody when asking a court to make determinations of pet custody. And to your point earlier about, well, how, you know, the duration of the marriage, does that come into play? Um, it, it can, it can influence a decision because in Illinois, the statute actually talks about ownership and responsibility. And the court can make a determination about those two things. And so when we start talking about what is ownership, that comes into, let's analyze, is a pet a marital asset? Did you obtain, adopt, purchase this pet during the marriage? And then responsibilities. Um, who was taking care of the pet? Who primarily took this pet to the vet? If there was a special diet, who was accommodating the special diet? If there were medical expenses, who were paying for those medical expenses and who were who was administering this medicine? So you can hear some echoes of child custody issues, but again, yeah, we have right. to be clear, it really is an asset analysis, but recently Illinois expanded the law to include not only ownership of the asset, but responsibilities for the asset. And yeah, so right. a court will honor a couple's agreement. They won't use language of visitation or pet time or parenting time, but a court absent an agreement will look at who is the owner or who will be the owner going forward. And then what are the responsibilities, whether that is caretaking responsibilities or financial responsibilities. Um, so yeah, it, it does sound very familiar to some of the custody issues that come up because it's all about the care of this pet. But you, before you get to the care of the pet or how long you were taking care for this pet, uh, you, you need to figure out, did somebody bring this pet into the marriage? That could be non-marital property, <laughs> right? Did you get this pet during the marriage, that is marital property. So the right. first step sure. is analyzing what kind of asset is the pet. 
And then we start looking at responsibilities. Another consideration that's been included in the recent changes to pet custody laws includes the fact that the court can consider the best interests of the pet or the companion animal. And so again, we're seeing some more parallels to child custody laws. Now, some concerns there include how do we determine the best interests of a pet? The law is currently silent on that. So are we going to have pet guardian ad litems? Are we going to have pet experts or evaluators that determine the best interests of the pet? So we still have some concerns and issues about how best to determine ownership, the pet best interests and the caretaking responsibilities, both financial and just day-to-day caretaking responsibilities. The law in Illinois talks about companion animals. So it's not any animal because not all animals are either domesticated or companion animals. Um, And we might have some clients in rural areas that have livestock, other animals um, that aren't necessarily pets. And that analysis is much different. That is just truly an asset of a business, an asset of a marriage. But we're talking about companion animals here. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's good to make the distinction, Um, but you're right. I I mean, I, you know, uh, livestock and we do Illinois is, you know, huge farm, uh, you know, farming communities around the state. So yeah, you know, (laughs) I mean, it could get real bad if we start talking about those as companion animals, but right. I mean, I think in general, people understand the concept of companion animals, right. And what we're talking about, like the, the cases that I've heard where pet custody is a big issue are kind of younger newlyweds. Maybe they've been married a few years here and there, but they don't have kids. So the dog or the cat is the kid, you know, and it's very important to them. The relationship has broken down. I want this from the relationship, you know, and this is what I'm going to fight for, you know, and so they will. And, you know, that's, that's where I think the court, the courts, you know, can work with property and they have to kind of treat it as property because it's hard to, you know, come up with, and, and you probably had to deal with a schedule, a visitation schedule. I mean, that just, you know, to, to, to me and, you know, to maybe to the, you know, some, some of the listeners, like, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around. I'm breaking up with somebody. I'm going through this painful process of life-changing, you know, divorce and separation. And now I have to see this person every other week to to drop off the the dog you know and you know so it's hard and i i don't know that the courts want to deal with it you're right tyler the only illinois case about pet visitation that i know of is a 2015 case out of chicago where the court was asked to enforce pet visitation between a couple and the illinois appellate court did not want to invite ongoing litigation over pet issues in a family court system. And the appellate court chose to, for lack of a better term, default to the issue of ownership. 
And what they did was they wanted to determine that one person would be awarded the pet, the other person would not be granted visitation rights. So it really came down to an ownership issue. But to answer your question earlier, does this affect younger couples that might not have children yet? It it does. It clearly does. I have a lot of my younger clients talking about um, what are we going to do now? We were only married two years, but we adopted a dog or a cat during the pandemic. It's my dog or cat. You know, I want to take this with me and the other side perceives it differently. But on the flip side of it, I also have families that have pets that a child is attached to. And some families, they might have a 50-50 parenting schedule, one week on, one week off, and they might come up with an agreement that 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 animal will travel with the child. And then I've had some clients that are older. They have a 17-year-old cat. They've been married 17 years. And they really would like to talk about the caretaking responsibilities that are still needed for an elderly pet and that they put into during the marriage. And so I think it's a universal issue, Tyler. I think that it affects almost every family, every couple that is facing a separation or divorce. Um, And so, you know, Again, the law is going to be limited by what type of asset it is. And then the second prong of that analysis, the caretaking responsibilities. Is it a companion animal? What kind of asset is it? And then we're looking at responsibilities, whether that's financial or otherwise for this animal. But families aren't categorizing it that simply. And so in mediation where you are working with a neutral to discuss anything about your relationship where you're not limited by the law, you're not limited by the rules of uh, relevancy. We have a lot of these overlapping issues that we're talking about, whether it's financial caretaking, my child's attached. Um, I have a majority of the parenting time, so I want the animal to live with me and I don't want the animal to follow the child. We talk about it in almost every case if there's a pet, unless somebody just says, no, I acknowledge that, you know, maybe because of my work schedule or, you know, my spouse adopted that pet and really takes care of that pet. I don't want to go there. However, most of the cases, when a pet's involved, people will bring it up at some point. And some people are bashful about it. Some people are like, I don't want to waste your time, but I'm really concerned about my dog. But I really want my dog. Yeah. And and can we add that to the list of things to talk? And And so we're not quite there yet where people feel confident to bring it up as an issue, but it is an issue. It's, well, it's something that we're allowed to discuss and it's something that a court will hear if need be. Well, I think it's interesting from our perspective, you know, um, when we look at alternative alternative dispute resolutions, right? Mediation, which, you know, we handle and we handle all sorts of them. You know, I think that is where this should be. You know, I, I kind of, it makes sense to me to not bog the court down with something like this when it is, you know, in the legal perspective, not that big a deal, but two people 
it is a big deal, you know, and emotions. There is a lot of emotions attached to, to animals. You know, I mean, you remember your animals, right? I remember my animals from when I was young. I had a lot of them. I, you know, I was fortunate enough. I don't remember all of them because I had a lot, but you know, you do remember and, you know, they are a big deal. So I think, you know, our, our office focusing on mediation and, you know, settlement based outside of the court system, I think this, you know, pet care and, you know, pet settlements, I think is a great place to handle it because like you said, it's more free flowing. You're not, you're not bogged down by time and facts, you know, cause I think, and obviously you can, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but if you can settle something in mediation and come up with a memorandum of understanding, get that into a, you know, settlement document for, you know, a marriage or, you know, a divorce, then the court will probably sign off on it, you know? And I mean, like you said, maybe if the settlement is broken and you know is now it needs to be enforced somebody's not dropping the dog off on tuesdays at four when they're supposed to that's a different situation but you're not we're not um you know bogging down the system and you're able to you know maybe peacefully work out a a resolution to you know the emotional attachment of an animal Right. And and I should correct myself. It's not that the family court won't enforce your agreement as to the asset and caretaking responsibilities. They will, because it comes really down to what's your remedy. It's probably money. If somebody is saying they're not honoring their caretaking responsibilities, I'm out of the pocket, you know, $1,200. A judge is going to listen to the facts and, but realize most of the remedies really will be reimbursement of costs or allocation of costs. But going back to our services and pet custody, you know, being a child-centered law firm where most of our clients are dual income earning clients with young children, I would say most of the conversations in mediation or preparing for a separation have to do with what do we do with a child's attachment to the pet? And can a parent continue to be financially responsible for this pet all for the best interest of the children or child? And so that's another factor. Like if we don't just isolate this issue about what does the pet custody statute say, pets can also be taken into consideration when we're looking at the best interest of the child. You know, does a child have allergies? Should they not be around pets? That can be a factor in parenting time if one parent has certain animals that keep causing health problems for the child. But on the flip side of that, maybe the child has anxiety and this pet companion lowers their anxiety. Mm -hmm. Maybe that pet is the one thing that gets them through some of the stressful transitions between the households. Maybe that pet is somebody that, or the pet is something that allows that child to sleep better at night. And so, you know, We do need to focus on who's going to be responsible for this pet, but also if you've got children and most of our clients do, what's the attachment? What are the needs of the child? What's in the best interest of the child for that pet to remain primarily with the child? And how does that then influence your parenting time? So with 
all of family law things overlap. We were just talking about that earlier. Many things overlap. Your finances, your responsibilities, the best interest of the child all overlap and pet custody is not unique. It overlaps as well. And so, you know, my my suggestion to anybody listening is if you have children, think about your children first. Think about does that child have a strong attachment to an animal and, and or to a companion pet and what do you want to do about that? And then we can take the analysis further as to what kind of asset is this, who's been taking care of the pet to try to strengthen an argument that you either retain the pet or there's a specific schedule for that pet. Um, so lots of different ways to analyze the situation, but um, there's there's a big movement also that people talk about. Maybe the laws for pet custody in Illinois need to change um, because people do find it offensive that they're just reduced to an asset. But when you take the whole family law statute, I think as a whole, and you see that it plays into child custody issues, it plays into the best interest of the child, it plays into um, you know, the the needs of a, a spouse that wants to retain it and their their rights to certain assets. I think we do a pretty good job these days with addressing pet custody issues, but there's always room for improvement. Uh, attorneys are changing, law firms are changing, um, you know, people are changing how they handle it, you know, and so I think over the course of time, we'll probably see, you know, whether it's a law or not. I mean, There'll probably be some court, some sort of standard. You know, professionals in family law are progressing. How we handle the issue is progressing, um, and and I think that the law really did progress by adding caretaking responsibilities into factoring what we're going to do. So, you know, our conversation today really hits home that it is actually more complicated than it might initially sound. There are plenty of things that um, can be discussed. There are uh, tasks for gathering evidence as to your caretaking responsibilities and ownership of a pet. But one of the best ways, to Tyler's point, to discuss all of these things is through mediation. But know that if in the event that doesn't work out, if you have a family law case, there are other ways to address pet custody and a judge will hear it and a judge will help you. So if you have any pet custody issues that you would like our firm to help you with and to uh, come up with a plan for retaining your pet or making sure that a pet stays with a child that that pet needs to help while you are separating or divorcing, please contact us at BertLaw.com or 630-891-2478 and we'd be happy to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Restorative Divorce Podcast with your hosts, attorney and mediator Aaron Burt and our paralegal Tyler Burt. A special thanks to our contributors and to the authors of the many articles that inspire us and keep our clients informed. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the separation, divorce, or parenting tips covered today that you can use now to help restore yourself. If you strive to improve your life or the lives of your children after a separation or divorce, join us next week when we will cover more restorative divorce topics. You can head over to BertLaw.com to get the podcast transcripts, follow us on social media, and even find more valuable family law information all for your benefit. Get help today and work with us one-on-one. 
Contact us to set up a consultation or planning session to start rebuilding your life today. Enjoy this day and we'll see you next time.